Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, this is part two of the conversation with John Singleton and his former inner circle at STW, which brushed with a $1 billion valuation at one point before merging with WPP Australia and New Zealand, which of course fell back under full British control earlier this year after close enough to 30 years sharing the economic spoils and profile with Singleton and co. There's plenty of tales from the trenches in this one. John Singleton was all but penniless when he went back into the advertising business in the early 90s and took the market by storm. We'll also hear how State of Origin, Australian cricket and even West Indies cricket teams were named in the bar of Singleton's advertising agency and how Singo was used as a weapon for new business with company boards and CEOs despite his closest allies admitting he was, and I quote, impossible to follow. So here's John Singleton, Russell Tate and Mike Conahan for the second and final round of what happened to WPP in Australia as Singo turns 80 this year. You'll have to excuse the interruptions from Singo's giant Rhodesian Ridgeback dog. I wasn't about to tell it what to do. And Singo's phone interrupting the audio quality. He was recording this podcast and punting on the horse races at the same time. For the record, his tips were entirely wayward. Regardless, here's John Singleton, Russell Tate and Mike Conahan in their closing stanza. I want to get back to, to John for a second because uh, a lot of the conversation today about the industry is that there's not enough weight to get into the C-suite to have influence in the C-suite of client companies and big business and listed companies. The secret weapon uh, for a long time um, at STW was you in that you would um, you know, find your way into some conversations with some big shots and senior leadership and funnily enough you can walk away with some business and that was always, I remember, it was always I wish we had the Singo to be able to cut through to, to, the, big, to the big end of town and, and have that convo and walk. What was the pitch that got you to walk away with the business, John? Because I'd have been around, I'd already done it. So to go back into advertising, if Russell's ideal age was eight, 48, <laughs> when I was 43, 44, I, I hadn't really been out of advertising because I'd been in TV and radio and they were dependent on the advertising. The reason I made more money than I should have out of those things was that I did them for little or no money and a share of the revenue. They made a fortune, but so did I. And Barry Unsworth, later Premier, was very happy with that. Next boss wasn't. Barry Unsworth was your boss at TK, 2KY. Yes, he was. He was the he ran the Trades and Labor Council, oh, yes. who ran KY. Yeah, yeah. And Barry Unsworth and I had a good personal relationship based on just having a good personal relationship. We're allowed to have that. <laughs> I, I worked for the Liberal Party for Askin. I'd worked for Snedden. I'd worked for Doug Anthony, Joe Bielke. Wasn't a political relationship. It was just a really great personal relationship. Well, you were on both sides at one stage, though. You did a bit of work for both sides, right? No, you can't do that. But you can, in an election, decide what you uh, what you think is best, right. and you can volunteer your services, or when you're asked, you can be available or unavailable. So that I, I think people can say we switched or I switched sides from time to time. I don't agree with that. I think 
in each case, rightly or wrongly, I did what I thought was best for Australia. Getting back to the, the business conversation. Yeah. So, you know, when you walked into the Combank, you talk about the Combank, you talk about, you know, Jeff Dixon and Qantas, obviously there was a, that's a different, there was a rapport there for a long time. But what were the, what did you do to, with the magic bell that got people to go, right, oh, you got the business? Well, advertising for other clients that worked. There was no magic bell, so-called, or in a circle, all those rumours, they're all wrong. We always charge more than anyone else. And our new business program was non-existent. Our attitude towards clients was appalling. We were very bad at pitches. We were very bad at pitches. But we didn't really pitch. We'd go do it. Of course, you've got to go through it. But we'd do it through it half-heartedly and say, look, if you want us, we're available. Love to work with you for these reasons. Think we can achieve this. But we're not going to do any more pitches, mate. I'll show you. You're taking up time that we should be spending on the clients we've got. But we were also, we were the one agency in the country, despite all the criticism that we had, it was like, oh, you know, you guys, you know, you're not creative, you're not this, you're not that. We were the one agency that had a position in the market that we basically there for you. We're in, the, we're in business for you. We're here to sell or else. You know, everything we do. If it didn't sell, it didn't work. Yeah, and and the clients wanted to be with that. And they didn't care about the awards and all that kind of stuff. They wanted to sell stuff. Though, and John's right, we did polarise. There were many, many clients that for whatever reason, we had a profile, we were proud of the profile, we stuck to it. There were a lot of potential clients that wouldn't have put us on a list for a million dollars. Mm, so it tended to be, we are, if we're invited to pitch, we were a very, very good chance. But we also understood that, I don't know, 30, 40, I don't know, percent of what weren't going to ask us ever because we had a profile. And Russ they, kept saying things that were offensive. <laughs> and you had to keep making up for them. Yes, exactly. I did, yes. Well, I just thank, God, the thank God John was there. Yeah, because <laughs> it could have got really bad, right? It could have got I think that's one of the things, though, that was really magic about the place and the era. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the era thing. I do think, it, and I've worked at a lot of places and a lot of, and been involved with a lot of companies, I've never known such a happy group of people. You've got to coach to your weakness, has been pointed out to me, but we had a no-drink during the day rule. Made up for that at night, of course. Yes, of course, of course we did. Yes, and Friday nights was party night. And we did not have any of these indiscreet problems that they have in little places like the Federal Parliament and so forth (laughs) because there was respect, one for another, for our clients, for the women, women for the men. If anyone ever was out of line, we had the Black Angels of Death. They were three or four girls who had been with us since the start. Mm. If the Black Angels saw a problem with someone, and they did on it two or three occasions, they would report it to uh, one of the directors. It was Russell and me, and we were, because we were lord of the stuff, we would stay, I would. Russell would go home early once. (laughs) But we would stay in the main until the close of play. And you never knew who was going to turn up. We had state of origin teams named (laughs) at our bar. We had West Sheffield Shield and Australian cricket teams, West Indies cricket teams, named in our bar. Right. It was a bar you could go to, have all the fun in the world, beautiful girls, interesting blokes. 
grand piano was always pumping away, played by Jeff Harvey. Despite that, it was still fun. <laughs> still, still fun, right? <laughs> yeah. And we had this personal relationship one to the other mm. where we really did love one, like, love, like one another very, very much. It was a hard shot, man. I mean, people, you may say people were, ha- were always happy, but I, I would we hear, were, that was hardcore. Hard, you weren't, you were, no, you were a mean machine, a lean, mean. Oh, yeah, and the people who made it were very happy. People who didn't make it were very unhappy. Right. Because they'd said, look, you're probably very good, but not for here. But is it true, Russell and Mike, about what John says about himself in terms of, you know, he downplays, oh, the whole network thing and there's a a conspiracy and it's all bollocks and you didn't actually have the business network that was as powerful to win business as what many speculated. But what did he do in those meetings then that, because he was a bit of a weapon for you in new business, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, John, John was John. John was a weapon. We shouldn't talk about specific. Well, we can. Why not? Probably the single about. biggest win we had in the history of the agency for, at the time was KFC. Yeah, that was a change. Now, now here's a classic case where, for all sorts of personal reasons, whatever, John was essentially barred from being part of the pitch team. Right. True story. Yeah. But it doesn't matter the reasons, whether they're right or wrong, silly. I knew too well some of the franchise laws favourably and some of the others were too unfavourable. But to my earlier point, there were perceptions about John, you know, gambler and all that, whatever. And so John... I better my grandly get it. John played a very, very small part only. And I don't know... Yeah, you did come to the pitch, but that was it. Telstra's a different story, though. Telstra's a completely different story. You're right. That was, you know, oh, of course, yeah. the, the start of that. It had to be, oh, in the end, they've all got to be one, you know, in a competitive place, whatever. But, yeah, that's one example where the big, probably the biggest single win in that agency, importantly, it was KFC. In the end, John was important in that, in, in getting that right. Telstra couldn't have happened without John. Mm. So... And that was the whole ballot against Optus. That's the ballot first, right? Yeah. 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 There was an Optus was came along. For those that don't remember, yeah. Optus was first in town and, and people had to essentially vote. Ballot. And, and yep. the CEO, the number one and two in Telstra, were brought from America to because we were a competitive telephone, telephony, communication strategy in Australia that had never been done before, had never been needed. Telecom as it was, had a monopoly. Mm. Telstra hadn't been created yet, the name nor... So you managed to woo the Americans? Didn't woo them at all. They they, they came to they, they came from the American club, talked around who was any good in advertising in Australia, and they went to see a number of agencies. It was delegated to a, a guy who became a great friend of mine. Mm. Not many clients did, but Jerry Harvey, Jack Cowan, Charlie Zoy, I counted as great friends. And Charlie Zoy turned up at a meeting. I thought, oh, he'd be... He's turned up with his wife. Yeah, you can't that. turn up with your wife. And, right. But he'd been to see ex other agencies and knew it was a waste of time because they didn't even know there was a ballot coming up mm. between Telstra and Optus and that would determine. Rob, Bob Mansfield, a mate of mine, was saying if they didn't get to 20%, he'd resign. Just just so we're clear, the people had... What, what was the ballot so that, you know, a lot of people won't yeah, remember this? Well, it was tick a box. Telecom Australia or Optus? Right. Who do you want? And if you didn't vote, you stayed with Telecom. So it was a vote. Mm. So we had to, and we used another John Williamson song called Australia Calling. This is Australia Calling. Well, we used John Williamson too. We used John too. Fantastic job he did. And we also had him go right around Australia with the new brand name. So all the staff, Mm. postmen, 
anyone we could get who was available that night. Everybody we started at north of Australia and went right around Australia. And those, Russ, me, whoever was there who had any standing in the agency, we went with Charlie and we went to every one of those presentations. And we started off in, I think the first ballot was Sydney. Remember Bob had said, 20% I'm out of here, he got 13. And he finished up with maybe 16, then he got 13 and went down, 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 down until it was 3% Melbourne. When it got to Campbelltown, the last ballot, they didn't even bother. Did not even bother. And so we finished up with, and that was the beginning of a fabulous relationship with Tom. That was a big monopoly that held 90% of the vote for where yeah. the customers wanted to go. Exactly, and yet 90% of the people said they were not going to vote, but they were going to get rid of Telstra. Right, right. So it was, it actually happened in reverse of what the research said. Mm. Well, did everyone hate, everyone have a nightmare story about telecom? You bet. Yes. Yeah. Did everyone want to stick with telecom? Was it a vital part of Australia? Yes. Yes. Did they want to sell off our communication history, our communication heritage and to the Singaporean company or any other country apart from Australia? No way. So this is Australia calling. Yeah. And Frank Blunt and Charlie both did a fabulous job, by the way, of admitting their failings. They were new and fresh. I think it was a case where if you had Aussies there, it worked at Telecom for 20 years, they would have loved being laughed at. You had to bring in new blood. Guys had turned around AT&T in America at the top of the market and guys were prepared to go to battle and compete on price and on market and distribution at the bottom end of the market. So there was a ballot in every area code in Australia. That's right. And it we, was and fabulous. We, and we did a local campaign for every area code. So Steve wanted to get it in Ballarat. Right. You know, and it was, what, 94? Early 90s, anyway, right? 94. If you'd bought in Charlie and Frank, Yanks didn't know Australia, not Australians, and they'd come in with an American advertising agency oh. into this campaign, it would have been the opposite result. You had a couple of Yanks that realised that they needed they weren't the, answer. the Australian <laughs> bit. And I think that's the point. Right. The it, was un- it was only definitely only Charlie and to a lesser extent Frank, or a major extent Frank in other ways, but as far as marketing and advertising was concerned, you remember Charlie's always an engineer. Mm. So we were lucky to have his instinct and his wife, who was a former CIA operative, was not without some judgment of people. I don't so think the fact he had her. What, what did she say about him? John, that is. She's she she be I'm looking at you. Off. <laughs> Throw away the keys. Yes. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> right. Okay, so really interesting. And so then whilst we're on this and then we're going to wrap up, before we go there, Mike, on Singo is the weapon, the new business weapon. So Russell's had his take on it. Well, know, I suppose I'll give you a very, I can give you a very different perspective because I started, I was fresh out of my travels out of Europe and came to, you know, needing a job. Lucky um, to get a start. Lucky to get right. a start. And he was, he was a, a wannabe copywriter, wasn't he? Is that what, so, no, no, he, he, used, to, he used to be a copywriter. Da- his daddy rang me and said, <laughs> can, you give my little, what, can you give my little... No, 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 no that's the partner, sorry. No, no, listen, that's bullshit. That's confidential. So <laughs> I got, got the job. And Come back to that one. I used to be a copywriter, but I realised I wasn't very good, so there was a better job for me elsewhere. And so I actually started on this Telecom Australia thing with um, Bob Hogg. Deadly Bob Hogg. Um, the thing to me, he, and I was he, like... You should remind Bob Hogg had run the yeah, ALP. ALP. So he was the president. Bob Hogg and Keating here. Right. Um, 
And the thing to me, as a, I was 25, right? I was 25, 26 years good old. Good age, good age. Good age. Very inexperienced and, and somehow yeah. got drawn into this vortex of John and sort of Russell's world very closely. And to me, the thing that just blew me away was that, you know, in those days you still had a telephone on your desk and, yes. you, and you had the speed dial of certain people. And John had all the way from the Prime Minister, the Leader of the Opposition, Kerry Packer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody that meant anybody in Australia was a push button because he could never you know, dial all the numbers. Dial, yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, so it goes pretty impressive door. Right? So then it just says, John, that what everything you said earlier about the network is actually right. What people say about you because you had a network and and, yeah. a, and you worked it. So as much as you play that down, you're actually can I say this um, very lightly because you got a big dog there, but um, you're talking shit. Your network was pretty strong. Oh uh, well, I I'm, I hate the word networking. Right, I never set out to entertain or cajole or, or persuade people that they should be with us. I never, ever used any social occasions to raise those subjects. And that's why I think all those guys who, who you, whose names are famous still, they were happy to work with us because not only did we get on well, we were all in our 20s when we started. None of us were expected to succeed. That's from that's Packer and Hungry Jack and Jerry Harvey. It took me 18 months to persuade him to run one ad, let alone become the biggest advertiser in Australia. Yes, I think he's crazy. talking about my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's so talking. He was talking for me. For the record, he's always, he's he always treats me like that. That was a dog. Oh, okay, okay. The big but road diesel is back there. There's a fundamental to that why people answer the phone because John and we, by inference, Understood Australians better than anybody else, yeah. and that's what we went to work for. And yeah. we worked hard. If anyone would turned up late, gone. If they weren't there at the eight thirty meeting on Monday to run through every job, no, that's right, absolutely gone. Absolutely, and three gone. If they dress improperly, gone. Go now, that, the, that, that's probably another year. Eh? Go at the I'm lunch upset. and come back half pissed, let alone fully pissed. You're fired. Not at all pissed. Mm. Have a drink, gone. And that was a voluntary contract in return for which unlimited sick leave, looked after when things went wrong. I do smile at the dress code uh, remark, John, because I remember as a young cub reporter in, in the offices in Sussex Street going and you walked in with your suit and a pair of Dunlop K26 gym shoes or running shoes with your suit. What so co- let's what get co- the fashion what, thing straight yes, in. You no, don't have it. No, he's what always co- been what, colour, what colour were they? Blue. <laughs> See, if I were black, I, was, uh, I wrote to all the companies and explained that Reebok, Adidas, etc. That everything about dress was right, except you have to wear these really uncomfortable shoes. If they'd make all black dog jogging shoes, and they all wrote back to me and call them business joggers, or I gave them a list of even better names, they'd be top sellers. And that has now happened. Are you right? You're right. It's happened. I think it's Reebok. Before uh, it's again, time. Trailblazer. <laughs> Before it's yeah. Trailblazer, Trailblazer. I could have been with Verica. i got to ask Mike, because you talked about the, the, the list of the short dial, which is re- really interesting, but what about when he got into a business meeting or is he talking to CEOs or boards or whatever he did? That, is that is that sort of a bit of myth too, that he was as good as what everyone said he was? Impossible to follow. 
Right. Um, and often well, in the in the conversation. Well, often we would plan. Often I remember the classic. We we did the presentation for the Republic. We were doing the the yes with campaign with Malcolm. Malcolm. Right. And we had this big plan about how we would present, and I would open up, and then da 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 da. And we do all those things, and John would finish. And we walked in, and John did all my bit, and then I had to do the rest. <laughs> but we won the fucking business, so it didn't matter. <laughs> and, and we lost see, the campaign. Important. Yeah. important. This yeah. was John's modus operandi, which I worked out very, very early on. So we'd go to a new business thing, and we used to go to a lot of these because we didn't have any much new business. And so in the car. We didn't have any competitive business. Driving to the meeting, sorry. Driving yeah. to the meeting. John would say, um, so what are you going to say, mate? And I'd tell him, oh, well, I thought, you know. Yeah. He said, uh, okay, so we get to the meeting and John said, I'll go first. <laughs> Almost exactly the words I give you. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> only if I agree with them. And he'd get, he'd get through that and said, oh, anyway, Russ, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was much, very good. And, and it was as much a game as anything else. Right. <laughs> Everything we had had to have a bit of fun to it. <laughs> so a new business presentation where I'd knock off Russell's part. To me, was part of the game, and to Russell too, <laughs> and we were quick enough, alert enough then to. Uh, it's just a pity that it what, did get what, to the stage where I tell him when he said, "What are you going to say first? I'd lie. Right. <laughs> He'd tell the lie, and you've been through. No, that. I like you when it was crap. I'd say, no, "Well, I'll hand over to Russ." No, and find out what he was really going to say. So tell me as we as we close up because I I know that we've taken a long time. Um, the so we'll start with John in terms of the standout. Anecdote uh, and story and campaign. So the, the so the the ad campaign or the work, the client that was sort of the the still has recollection for you now for whether business impact or just a great story. What what would they? What would it be? And I'm going to ask all of you one or that. So there's a heads up. Um, John has to think on his feet, which he probably hasn't done for a while. No, it's hard to stand up. <laughs> I think uh, it is hard because really, I still think it's yet to come. That's, that's what I feel I am. I think it's yet to come. Well, the things we did that made a change in Australia were, were true blue because it, it showed people really the preference people have for those things Australian. I think restoring, I still call Australia home, the Australianisation in perpetuity of Qantas was something we could all be proud of, as could Peter Allen and as could Mo and Joe. Mo was with us at the time. Mm who'd run it originally, and Jeff Dixon had been the ringmaster the whole period. I think the political campaigns we did were, because that's a one-day sale where you really judged once. It's you can't do it again. It's all about results, isn't it? It's all about results, and we, the successes we had far outweighed the failures, and that doesn't, I won't go through them all, but whether that's Joe Biocchi or Bob Askin, some of these people now pilloried, of course, but mm. maybe rightly, maybe wrongly, they're dead, so they can't defend themselves. Bob Hawke, Paul Keating, the disasters we had with Barry Unsworth, who, strangely, I'm probably, apart from Hawke, the only one I'm really personally close to. That was when the campaign director and the campaign manager from the Labor Party both had to go home sick. Stephen loosely had a bit of a problem and Bob Carr got booed at uni couldn't stand the pressure <laughs> God help us 
He was longest-serving premier in Australian in New South Wales history, as it turned out. Mm. Those things had there was there was really half a dozen things. I won't go on with yeah, the others. Yeah. Really, but when I look back then, we we were we were on our way to something special. And I think KFC with imagine the frustration of seeing this ad with you fat kids in a car selling KFC and doing it all and not being able to cop any credit for twenty years. Good on Clemenger, but. Knockout. Oh, that's right, because you're saying it all went through Clemenger, but you did the work. Yes, right, on right, the right. basis that, and we, we importantly kept our word. Yeah. That way, Clemenger's would use so us. Jason. I wasn't sure whether we'd survive on our own or be a creative agency at that stage. Mm. So I didn't want Clemenger's offside, plus, I liked everyone I ever met at Clemenger's. Mm. But interestingly, I think the answer to your question is when we won the KFC business 20 years. 25 years yes. after that with what you've called the rebrand. Hugo was fantastic. Right. 25 years later, that to me, that that was when the whole world changed for our business, Singleton's. Suddenly, yeah, the, 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 that account had sorry. been held internationally by Young and Rubik mm. for, forever. Mm. The thought that an Australian agency that didn't particularly like John at this stage would would change and everybody pitched again for the whole thing that we could win that that I think changed our the whole future of the company and the ads were fantastic and, and, and to, to Mo's great credit all yeah. of the ads we, we did four and I've got to say Alan Morris I'll give him all the credit uh, yeah absolutely Brilliant stuff. So KFC for you, actually KFC for both of you, really, plus a few others. That Twenty-five years. No, yeah. I said the Telstra battle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and the, the political campaigns. Yeah. No, it's you're right. Cause I it's love them. I love them. And, and sorry, just, just importantly on the KFC thing, the wonderful thing about this is the Singleton Ogilvy and Mather still has that account, right. and and to and this to this day is doing too. arguably the best advertising on television. Arguably. It it's is. fantastic. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, and I feel, I still feel, I still sit at home in my last couple of moments with my last couple of breaths. <laughs> 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 you and your the ageism. That's what it is, ageism. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. I sit at home. What are you, anyway? How old are you? I'll be 80 this year. Jesus, okay. No, you're not, people, the listeners can't see, but... Doing okay for eighty. You reckon? Not bad. Yeah, he's looking better than you, Russell. He's ninety. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I think, mate. You you look back and you you can't help but see the ads and think back on the people we had and the queue of people we had wanting to get in who were better than us right. or potentially better than us or thought they were. Every agency. Well, I don't think it had ever happened before. It was such a happy place. And if if Martin, who was advised by McLaren, Rugby Australia, if if they had kept their word, we would have been the dominant agency and cruelly, for better or for worse, probably worse, Russ and Mike and I would still be there. And God help. I know, mate, but the way we ran it was an enjoyable way. We would have a... You would have had to change how you run it, though. We did have a good... Well, who says? We don't know. Well, fair point. Yeah, OK. See, see that was... Uh, not, not basically. I don't think. So I quit when I was... The second time, I was 64. 20, that's 15 years ago. So 
we could have had the last 10 or 15 years of good health, happiness. We still get on great. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. I'm still happy to carry these bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're still happy to carry me. Yeah. And, and we're happy never to, we, I don't think we ever had a serious blue. And the whole time we... Yeah, uh, you've said that. Yeah, they've been consistent on that. You've said that for a long time. I'm, I'm you know... Well, there's only been Russell and Billy Curry, who, when we were kicking off, was fantastic. The only outside agencies who helped us was Michael Ball, who's died, unfortunately, mm. at Ogilvy. We finished up together. I think Sorrell and I could have had a quirky but yeah. productive relationship. Oh, yeah, okay. And Russell and Miles Young. Did you ever use any ex- expletives on him and tell him to do something that started with F? I used expletives when I felt it was appropriate, right. which was not Just that often. Much. Not that often. I never rang him and said you were an expletive, 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 because of expletive, expletive. Oh, maybe I did. But <laughs> maybe it was after hours and I'd had a few drinks. Maybe not, but we did have a a remarkable adventure, yeah. and it could have had a fabulous ending. We could have revel- we could have owned advertising. But Mike Connor, I hadn't asked you. So the standout work, I was hired to help out on the ballot. Yeah, and that was an amazing experience. Um, and then, oh god, what a ride! But um, one of the things I guess was. Um, I was involved in the in the float of Qantas when we did that. Yeah, that's a good thing. But um, it, we had a little client in South Australia called South Australian Brewing, which ended up getting bought by Tui's, uh, which ended up becoming Lion Nathan, and we ended up with the whole of the Lion Nathan portfolio of yeah. proper beers, and that was that was pretty cool. So Forex and Tui's and Emu and Swan and West End and mm. lots of other ones that. The, along the way some great and some fantastic stuff that we did mm. um, John uh, Harold Mitchell versus Dennis Merchant well there's trust and total trust and total no trust which way which for the, uh, for the I, I'd go for Merchant right and they started off as partners and I think Harold was far more clever cunning and certainly made more money than Dennis Dennis was sturdy honest decent I'm not saying Harold wasn't just saying there was always, to me, Harold came first. In Dennis's case, you came first, your client came first. And I think even though Dennis has finished up a bit bitter about it. Well, have you read his book, Media Man? There's a lot in that. Yes, I have, but poorly written. I think Dennis should stick with media, crosses in boxes, and should hire talk, writers to you. I wouldn't be writing any books for <laughs> anything. But I, I do think that Dennis Merchant was, to me, one of the one of the great entre- he, he he started Bob Vine mm. and aggregating. Well, the media. So there's the great debate: who started the first media specialist in Australia? And Dennis Mason. Yeah, Harold sort of might. Yeah, and Harold Harold has great skills mm. of salesmanship, bullshit that Dennis can't touch. He doesn't have an answer in him. Mm. And whether he's great, about, Dennis is great. You could probably talk to Mike's dad if in yeah, the world. I mean, Terry was the other one. Right. Terry Conaghan, yeah. and he got together with a creative director, Stan May. Which was became Leo Burnett's Conaghan and May, correct? They were yeah. a great agency. Okay, so everything you talk about now, can, could you replicate, can you replicate and tap the Australian? We noticed uh, 
uh, Ampol's come back, the brand Ampol. And yeah. Australia's Ampol, they, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why it's come back, but it is. And they're resurrecting an old Australian brand with an iconic, I would say from my memory, probably not up in your league, but I still remember the, those jingles and all that stuff from, from Ampol. Um, so, they don't say that anymore, do they? They don't. It's a bit oh, more, it's a modern It's Australian as Trump. It's Australian as Trump. Well, they can't say it. No. <laughs> we know it's Caltex. Well, no, that's the thing. No, it's now broken back at Caltex. Is, that's a long story, but no, it actually is Australian. It's a listed company. Can they now legitimately, legally, and honestly run the fact that they're as Australian as Ampol? They can, yes. Can they done it? Well, they're fuckwits. <laughs> <laughs> But there's the point, right? So yeah, you've got but you've got people that are doing that don't have that Australian. Well, tell me about it. You, you're the advertising and the, the people that are tapped into consumer mood. Why don't we see that anymore? But I think we do, mm-hmm. and you know what? It's I think it's more important than ever. I don't want to talk about COVID and all that shit, right? But local, and certainly, I mean, I'm I'm now in a in a different sort of area of the industry but the localization of your news and your content and your brand is really really critical yes it's a global market and all that kind of stuff but if you can tap the right part of your heritage you know as john just said with ampol that gives people a reason to buy correct and mostly often that would be the only point of difference you've got when petrol we all know it's all the same but if, if you feel there's some of the money exactly. going back to Australia, one gave Ampol, mate. Right. Thanks very much. Uh, but as they haven't told me that, I assume it's just Caldex with the Yanks with the Nuns. It, it goes back to the buy Australian thing I said earlier. But if you can add that little bit that says, oh, by the way, we're run by Australians and owned by Australians, it's more likely to hit the mark, isn't it? John Singleton, Russell Tate, Mike Conaghan, great conversation. Um, I'll go back and listen to this and, and scratch my head and go, what did I do? But um, it is um, perfect uh, sort of timing for where we're at. So thanks for joining. Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.